Uh, we're going to get back into our lesson, Save for a Purpose. Everybody ought to have your Bible. This is Bible class. This is Bible class hour. And certainly something to encourage your heart, instruct us along the way. God gives us a manual. He gives us his word to live by. Amen. And when we walk up right before him, we reap the benefits and the blessings of serving him. So I want everybody, everybody grab your Bible. Amen. This is Bible study. We're going to recap those that uh, did not see the first uh, part of this lesson. Uh, please go back and get the detail. I'm going to do a quick recap, uh, but go back and get the detail concerning uh, this save for a purpose. Amen. And then it's time for the church to get back. You know, we've been uh, in this COVID uh, for some time now, over a year and a half. Amen. And uh, sometimes people have uh, kind of lost focus on what God has called us to do and uh, kind of set aside our purpose Amen. And focused in on other things, but it's time for us, the church, to get back to doing what we know to do. And that is the preaching of the gospel, the saving of souls. Amen. And we thank God for those individuals uh, that have been baptized in, in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost during this pandemic. Uh, we have two more souls that are waiting to be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. So I'm excited what God is doing, what God is doing. And certainly we've been able to, through technology, to keep the church going. I haven't missed a beat. Souls are still being saved, baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. And hopefully hearts are encouraged. Those that are saved, amen. It's not time for us to be depressed and oppressed and worried. This is time for us to be an example be an example to the world, amen. We can hold our head up, amen, because we know that the Lord, he is soon to come. So save for purpose. I existed in him before I existed in time. Uh, that goes back to the scripture uh, reference in Jeremiah 1, 4 through 9. He told Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew you. Come on, somebody. My God, before you came out of the womb, I already sanctified thee or ordained thee. I already know, I already called uh, who you are, your whoness and your whatness. And not only that, he said, for I am with thee to deliver thee. We can read that in that same passage. Amen. So each and every one of us, we are saved for a purpose. God has a purpose, a calling, a ministry for everything and everyone. My God, remember he said, I have vessels to honor and I have vessels to dishonor. So this is not just the testimony of Jeremiah, it's all of our testimony, amen? I existed in him before I existed in time. Amen. Psalms 1, 39, David had a thought that blew his mind. Uh, God, he said, God knows me. Come on, somebody. Psalms 139, 1 through 7. Uh, he knows me better than I even know myself. Anybody believe that? Understand what David said, um, O Lord, thou hast searched me 
and known me. Not just know you. You've known me. I know somebody. You knew me before I knew myself. You know of my down sitting. You know my uprising. You compasses my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. He says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. I can't even attain to it. It blows my mind. Amen. So when we think about the Bible says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he's going to do it. If he promised it, he's going to bring it to pass. When God makes a promise, when he said uh, to Jeremiah, I have sanctified thee, I have ordained thee to be a prophet, he's already taken everything into consideration. I'm thinking about the time when we were going to Anaheim, California, and I told the kids when we're there, we'll be going to Disney World, and they were all excited, and that was a promise. I had all the tickets. We had our airline uh, tickets. We had our uh, Disney Park tickets, and we were on our way, and just as I'm preparing for that uh, trip, I pulled my back out, pulled my back out, I'm on somebody and ended up having to go and get me some strong drugs to deal with the pain that I was in. And I was trying to encourage the first lady to go on and take the kids. Y'all have a good time. She refused to go. I made a promise to my kids, but I couldn't keep it. When I made it, I had every intention and, and purchase tickets and, and every reservations and everything in place. But I'm not God. If God says it, He's already taken into account everything, every possibility that could happen. Remember, now he's the one that started at the beginning, went all the way to your end, backed up to the beginning and said, let it be. And when he says, let it be, he already knows what is to be. Remember somebody, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he's going to do it. If he promised it, he's going to bring it to pass. So not only am I saved for a purpose, he already knows I'm suited for my purpose. Why would he assign me uh, or give me something to do that I'm not suited for or I'm not capable of? All right. First Corinthians 10 and 13. All right. God said he's going to orchestrate every area of your life. He says there's no temptation taking you, but such as common unto man. But God is faithful. Come on, somebody who will not suffer you to be attempted above that you are able. And with every temptation, He's going to make a way of escape. My God. So not only am I called for a purpose and suited for a purpose, every situation is tailored for me. I can't miss this. Come on, somebody. My God. Not if I'm trusting and believing in God and doing it his way. I just can't miss God is saying, I've saved you for a purpose. All right. He told Jeremiah in 29 and 11, 
I have a future in store for each and every one of you. All right. He said, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you. And what are they? Uh, They're thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. That was just not to Israel coming from Jeremiah. That's to each and every one of us. He has a future in store for each of his dear children. Amen. And expect it in. I know you might be stressing it right now. You might feel a little lost right now. Amen. But God is saying in the fullness of time, I will accomplish all that I have spoken over your life. And he has spoken over all of our lives. Come on, somebody. Uh, there is nobody, no, uh, you know, a mistake or, you know, you just happen to be. And, uh, you know, people come up with all kinds of terms. You, you wasn't supposed to be here. And sometimes our parents will even uh, have uh, things that they'll whisper in our ears. You was a surprise or you were this or, you know. And, and some parents, you know, you know even envious sometimes that you even survived or you even made it. Tell you you wasn't supposed to be here. But God knows. God is the one that knows everything. And God is not guessing. When he makes promises concerning us, he's not guessing or assuming. He's saying in the fullness of time, I will have accomplished everything. I've already spoken from the beginning over your entire life. Come on, somebody. My God. John 14, 1 and 2. He says, I'm going away and I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you will be also. So not only is he preparing places over there, uh, but he's also preparing places here. Uh, Psalms 27, 13 and 14, this is proof. David spoke it of the goodness that existed uh, on earth. What did he say? Uh, I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Not only has he gone away and prepared places for us over there. Come on, somebody. David lets us know there's blessings in store for us on this side, in the land of the living. And verse 14, he goes on to say, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. I say, wait, I say on the Lord. My God, each and every one of us. We have to wait until God's reality, God's promise catches up with our reality. We talked about our brother Joseph who had a dream on somebody and he dreamed that his brother's sheaves paid obeisance to his. My God. And they couldn't speak peaceably concerning him. And what happened as a result of that dream? He was hated. He was beaten. He was dropped into the pit. He was sold into slavery. He was uh, accused of a crime and thrown into prison. But guess what? The dream followed him. The promises endured. Come on, somebody. In the fullness of time, 
I will accomplish everything I've already spoken over your life. My God. And don't you dare die in the wilderness. Joseph could have given up. He could have said, you know, those dreams, uh, they, they weren't even true. They must have been a figment of my imagination. He could have said, you know what? My brothers were right. But he held on to the dream. And in the fullness of time, you all remember, Pharaoh said, my granaries, they're going to open and close uh, at the mouth of this man here, Joseph. I'm putting him in charge of everything except me. Amen. And certainly, certainly uh, God will go with us. Everything he's spoken, it will come to pass. And we have to understand what God has to go through. See, you know, God speaks things into our life. Um, David said, you know, it's so wonderful. I can't even attain to it. It, it just blows my mind. And God has to go through certain things, getting us to that reality, walking in that blessing. Come on, somebody. My God, many times we're our own worst enemy. I know God can do it, but I don't know that he'll do it for me. Come on, somebody. Uh, we find here in uh, Judges 6, it was Gideon uh, that was threshing wheat uh, behind the, uh, the wine press, hiding his stuff that the Midianites would not take it. Come on, somebody. And uh, the Bible says, and I'm in Judges 6 and 13, and Gideon uh, and the angel of the Lord, uh, 6 and 12, Judges 6 and 12, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, the Lord is with thee. Hmm. Can you imagine that? You're hiding from your enemies and, and the angel says, the Lord is with you. And then causing a mighty man of valor. Verse 13, and Gideon said unto him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? God, if you're all of that in these blessings wherewith you have blessed us and brought us out of bondage, did you bring us here for us to die? Come on, somebody. My God. But God told uh, Gideon, uh, you as one man. You're going to smite uh, the Midianites as one man. Gideon, I'm going to use you. My God. See, faith uh, has to be built and faith has to be tested because faith untested is just talk. Come on, somebody. My God, you got to do more than just talk a good game. Amen. When you talk it and we should speak it, we can speak those things that are not as though they were. But guess what? It's going to be tested. My God, otherwise it's just talk. Amen. And I thank God Gideon realized that it was a sacrifice going to be involved. Told the angel, wait right here until I go and uh, uh, prepare an offering, sacrifice. Talk about how uh, he got uh, the, the sacrifice and put it all together. 
and brought it back uh, to the angel and, and presented it to the angel. And the angel said, no, take that meat and, and, and take the, uh, the bread. I, we forgot what it was. Put that on the rock and pour off the broth. <laughs> uh, you know, you got to give not only is a sacrifice required, but you got to give God what he wants. Now, Gideon can say, well, you know, I always prepare a sacrifice with a broth. Well, that's not what God wants. Hmm. See, some of us, we're living our lives and we just want to give God what we want to give God. And God said, no, I'm God. I want you to give me what I require. My God. And we know the story of Cain and Abel and what happened when we don't give God what he requires. Amen. So I'm so glad for the obedience of Gideon. He did just as the angel uh, said, and the angel accepted the sacrifice. And not only that, he said, Gideon, I want you to go tear down the altar of Baal, cut down the grove next to it, and build me an altar and make a sacrifice unto me. Oh my God. Oh yeah, your faith is going to be tested. Your faith is going to be tested. And Gideon did just that. He did just that. <laughs> and when they found out it was Gideon, they came to his father. Amen. And we want Gideon. Uh, we're we're going to kill him. Come on, somebody. And his father, being wise and giving the words of the Lord, he says, you know, if, if Baal is all of that, why you got to do your killing, doing, do, your, uh, do the killing for Baal? If Gideon tore down Baal's altar, let Baal kill him. If he's all of that, come on, somebody. Oh, God will make a way of escape. He will out make a way of escape. Amen. We certainly thank God because God's people have always, you know, God is not dealing with numbers. Come on, somebody. Uh, God, you know, he sets aside a people for his purpose, for his calling. Amen. And then he turns around and multiply them. And when God multiplies you and blesses you, there's nothing your enemy can do against you. Amen. All right. The Bible talks about in that day, there grew another, there came up another Pharaoh that did not know um, um, Joseph. And he saw the blessing. Come on, somebody. Those Hebrews were blessed. They outnumbered them. And he was intimidated by them. And uh, they put hard, put him into slavery. Uh, they made life hard for them. But the more they did to them, the more they multiplied. My God. Uh, we find that in Exodus, the first chapter. When your enemy can't stop you. Come on, somebody. I mean, I'm talking about when you're truly blessed of God. Greater is he that is in you and for you than he that is against you. Amen. Pharaoh was talking about what they're talking about today. Cancel culture. You know, uh, too many black and brown people and they're going to replace us. Became intimidated and turned around and put them in slavery. Look at this. Exodus, the first chapter, 16 through 19. And he said, 
Uh, he talked to the midwives of the Hebrews and he was trying to kill uh, the male Hebrew children. And he gave them a commandment and he said unto them, when you do the office of midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then you shall kill him. I'm on somebody trying to uh, commit genocide. Uh, but if it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God. And we ain't no way in the world we're going to do this against God's people. And as a matter of fact, God told Israel, I will bless them that bless you and I will curse them that curse you. Come on, somebody. My God, even right now, that promise is still good. If God be for you, come on, somebody. He is more than the world against you. All right, verse 17, but the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, why have you done this thing and have saved the men children alive? And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. Come on, somebody. Anybody know that you are set aside, you're a peculiar people, you're a royal priesthood, you're a reserved people? Come on, somebody. My God. Hallelujah. And God makes a difference between the Hebrew and the Egyptian, those that are his elect and those are of the world, those that are of the kingdom and those that are of Satan. He makes a difference. Come on, somebody. Uh, they're not like, the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered before the midwives come in unto them. By the time we get there, the Hebrew men, the boys are already delivered. My God. Uh, listen, if God is for you and has spoke something over your life, He's greater than any opposition that could ever come your way. My God, each and every one of us saints of God. Amen. God is for us. He's uh, somebody said he's all over me and he's keeping me alive. He's just like fire. Shut up in my bones. Amen. And that's much of what we're dealing with right now. Uh, you know, they're bringing up this thing of abortion again. Amen. And certainly uh, abortion laws were not created to stop uh, black women from getting abortions. Uh, the abortion laws were cre created to stop white women from getting abortions. And I know you all have heard this from me before. Uh, Dr. Ben Wattenberg W-A-T-T-E-N-B-E-R-G, Dr. Ben Wattenberg, wrote a book, The Birth Dearth. What happens when a free society don't have enough children? Uh, goes all the way back to uh, President uh, uh, Theodore Roosevelt telling uh, the, uh, the Caucasian families, you all have to have four kids. Every family has to have at least four kids or at one point or another, we're going to become extinct. 
or you know our numbers we're not the, the the black and brown population is well actually at that time they were talking about the russians and the chinese but certainly what happens on the uh, international scale is going to happen on the on the national scale so their birth rates are down and these fertility drugs they weren't created for black women either they were for white women that they would have more children amen and now you know things are changing we have a a, a a uh, top man in the military is an African-American man. We have the uh, vice president of the United States is an African-American uh, woman. Uh, this, this, is, this has caused all of the frenzy that we see happening. People just don't know how to handle it. They're talking about cancel culture and all of this thing. You know, how they're uh, being erased and, they, and they're going to be replaced my God, there's nothing new up under the sun. It's the same old thing. And if you go under the Gematria study, this is the study of um, abortions. Gematria uh, study. You can look that, you can Google that. They do a, uh, a detailed analysis of uh, women that seek abortions and have abortions, you'll find a great percentage of those women, uh, and matter of fact, is more white than black, and a great percentage of those women say that they're Christian. Hmm. And if you believe all of those Christian women are just Democrats, or they're just black women, you got an eye-opening experience when you get the facts. This is something they've been talking about for years. Birth rates are declining among Caucasian women. And now that we're in this season that we're in, they're talking about cancel culture. <laughs> My God. Anytime your enemies see you excelling, doing well, we're talking about in the spiritual now. When the enemies see you, God's blessings upon your life, he's going to try to eliminate you. That's exactly, this is nothing new for God. We see how he worked it out back then. He's going to work it out right now. Come on, somebody. We saw the efforts and the measures that uh, Pharaoh took. Talk to the midwives. I want you to kill those Hebrew boys. But they feared God. Come on, somebody. When you have God on your side, oh, no. Surely, goodness and mercy, they're going to follow me all the days of my life. Come on, somebody. My God. When my foes and my enemies, they came upon me to eat of my flesh, they stumbled and fell. How many know God's fighting your battles for you? My God, God's already got your future lined up for you. He got that expected in. Come on, somebody. My God. That's all we have to do is trust and believe in God. All right. Um, remember when 
Uh, Mary and Martha said, Jesus, if you had uh, had been here, my brother, he wouldn't have died. Jesus said, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall what? Never die. Believest thou this? That's the scripture. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Do you believe it? You ought to turn around and tell the enemy, I can't die. I know you're trying to kill me, but I can't die. I can't fade off into the distance and, and fade off the scene and act like I don't know who I am. Come on, somebody. My God, if God be for you, he's more than the world against you. All right. Ephesians, the second chapter, talked about the redemptive work of God, spoken even before time. He's even talking about this expected end of heaven. Ephesians, the second chapter. The second chapter and verse 6. We're going to read 6 through 10. Uh, you can go all the way back to the first verse in your own study. But he says in verse 6, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Has raised us up together. Come on, somebody. And has made us to sit together in heavenly places right here in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. He's talking about heaven now. Come on, somebody. My God. Hallelujah. That in the ages to come, that he might show the exceeding riches and his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and uh, not that not of yourselves, it is a gift that only comes from God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship. Somebody better listen to this. He created you. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? We are vessels of honor for good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I already ordained you. Come on, somebody. My God. Hallelujah. Before you, I formed you, you go back and read Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the belly and before you came out the womb, I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet. Come on, somebody. My God. He did the same thing for each and every one of us. And each and every one of us, we ought to say, I am what God says I am. Come on, somebody. My God, many people have this, uh, people speaking into your life, telling you, oh, you just like your daddy, you just like your mama, you ain't gonna ever be, uh, you know, uh, you got that evil in you. You got this in you. Nobody in your family was ever good. And, and, and all of them died and they were not prosperous. They didn't make it. Come on, somebody. You need to say, I am what God says I am. Come on, somebody. 
And I'm what? More than a conqueror through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. That's something we ought to get excited about. We ought to, every one of us, we ought to get excited about your future. God said, I have an expected end in store for each and every, that ain't just talking about Jeremiah, that's talking about each and every one of us. Luke, the ninth chapter, beginning in the 57th verse. If we're going to live for God, it's going to require a committed lifestyle. We have to have a committed lifestyle toward him. If God is going to bring into fruition the things he's already spoken over our life. Come on, somebody. We have to say, here am I, Lord. Here am I. Send me. Amen. Be yielded to him. All right. Bible says in Luke 9 and 57, and it came to pass that as they were, uh, went away, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, foxes have holes and birds have nests, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man have not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me uh, first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me go first and bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the gospel plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. My God, uh, the church is full of individuals that miss out on their calling, their anointing, their purpose, the gifts of God upon their life because they have allowed the cares of this world to choke them out. Hmm. I would do so-and-so, but I got to, well, you know, I, I could do so-and-so, but, you know, I have this to tend to over here. People are trying to fit God around their life when God is the one that gave you life. Now, how does that work? It will never work when you try to fit God into your life when he is your life. You have to put God first. Come on, somebody. Who is my mother or my sisters or my brothers? Those that do the will of my father. The same. Come on, somebody. Are my mothers, my sisters, and my brothers, my disciples. You have to put God first. God always has a plan. He always have a plan for your life. You may come to your wits end trying to figure it out, but while you're trying to figure it out, come on somebody, God has already worked it out. And if you would just be obedient, be obedient to the will and to the word of God, come on somebody, God's got it figured out already. While you're scratching your head, while you're biting your fingernails, you don't have to, but I know many times we do. 
If I do this, what's going to happen to me? You all remember when Elijah uh, killed those prophets of um, Jezebel? And next thing you know, he's running for his life. Let's pick it up. First Kings 19th chapter. Elijah here is running for his life. And each and every one of us, thanks of God, just because you're successful on one day, don't mean you're going to be fighting for your life on the next day. Amen. Just because you're God's anointed and appointed, don't mean your enemy is going to try is going to uh, is not going to try to kill you. Just because God gives you a dream, we're talking about Joseph now. Don't mean your brothers are going to be able to speak peaceably concerning you. Matter of fact, they're going to hate you. But God always has a plan. All right. First Kings 19, uh, 19 and 9. And he came thither to a cave. This is Elijah running and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he uh, said unto him, what does thou hear, Elijah? You all remember when Elijah, those um, uh, prophets of Jezebel, they were going to call down fire and burn the sacrifice. They were cutting themselves and they were dancing. Elijah told them, well, shout louder. Your God must be sleeping. Come on, somebody. And then Elijah said, step back. And he called on God, come on somebody, that he might be known and made manifest to all of these people. My God, set, set this altar on fire. Matter of fact, he said, I want you to uh, douse it with water. I don't, I don't want you to think your God was able to had it hot and, and then my God came in and set it on fire. Douse it with water, baptize it, called on God and God caused fire to come down out of heaven, consumed the sacrifice, consumed all of the, the rock, the altar and licked up all the water. Come on somebody, my God. Hmm. And then he said, now gather up all those false prophets. We're going to take care of them. We're going to sacrifice them too. <laughs> and Jezebel got mad and said, told uh, Elijah, what you have done to my, uh, my prophets, I'm going to do to you. And here he is on the run. And God finds Elijah in a cave. And he said, what does thou hear, Elijah? Come on, somebody. You got no business running. You have no business being afraid if God is for you. Come on, somebody. If he's already, he said, I formed you. I knew you. Before you came out of the womb, I sanctified you. And I ordained you to be a child of God. You have everything you need. Every promise upon your life. Come on, somebody. My God. God said in the fullness of time, it's coming to fruition. And you don't have to be afraid of nobody. All right, look. 
1 Kings 19 and 10, and he said, I have been very jealous for the God, for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after uh, the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still, small voice. Come on, somebody. My God. And it was so when Elijah heard it, he took his mantle and wrapped his face. My God. And went out and stood in the entering of the cave And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What does thou hear? Elijah, I've asked you once and I've asked you twice. What went wrong? You was just calling down fire from heaven. You rounded up all the false prophets and slain them. What are you doing running from Jezebel? How many know God always have a plan? When we do it his way, God always, with every temptation, he will make a way of escape. My God. Really, Elijah? (laughs) What are you doing here? God exists in every situation. He exists. He may not be in the wind. He may not be in the earthquake. Come on, somebody. My God, he may not be in the fire, but listen for that small, still voice. He exists in every situation of your life. You just have to be tuned in to him. Come on, somebody that you might receive instruction for God because God always have a plan. We'll pick it up in 1 Kings and we'll drop down uh, to verse, um, we went 9 through 13. We'll drop down to 15 through 18. And the Lord said unto him, Go and return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshah, shall thou anoint to be king over Israel. In, in Elijah, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Menelah, shalt thou anoint to be the prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazel shall Jehu slay. And him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees of which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. 
I always have somebody. God will not leave himself without a witness. Come on, somebody. I know you may think you're the only one holding up the bloodstained banner. No, no, no. God has somebody beside you. Come on, somebody. My God, that's going to hold up that bloodstained banner until I die. You're not in this thing by yourself. God has a prepared people. Come on, somebody. He has anointed us and gifted us and called us and equipped us. My God, he's prepared a place over there and he has prepared places for us here that we might fulfill every promise he's already made over our life. Come on, somebody. God exists in every calamity. He exists in every storm, every earthquake, every fire, every uh, 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 destruction, uh, anything you can find that's destructive, whether it be the wind or the waves. He, he speaks to the winds and to the waves. Come on, somebody. My God. He can tell the lightning to go back into your chamber and shut the door. He can say, peace be still. I don't care what storm is raging in your life. God exists in every situation and he has a plan. He has a plan in store for your life. Come on, somebody. My God. So he realized that God doesn't just reveal himself in a powerful or miraculous way. Sometimes he's just that still, small voice. Come on, somebody. My God. Sometimes people, they look for God in big conferences and in big church meetings. And uh, he just wants to meet you on the side of your bed. Bending your knees and giving him thanks. Come on, somebody. And the angel of the Lord can appear and strengthen you. You might have that uh, uh, that perspiration as great drops of blood coming down your forehead because of what God has asked and, and commanded you to do. But the angel can come and strengthen you. Come on, somebody. And that ought to be our prayer. Lord, strengthen my hand for the work. Amen. So God is always there. Are you listening? Come on, somebody. Step back from the drama and start to listen. That's one of the things that the enemy does. He causes a whole bunch of turbulence, a whole bunch of wind, a whole bunch of static, a whole bunch of storm. Come on, somebody. But step back from the drama and listen for the voice of God in every situation. My God. So God had it all figured out. Hazael, the king of Syria. Hazael, the king of Syria. Uh, God would use him to be the external punishment. Those that were outside of Israel, but oppressing Israel, God would use him to destroy them. Jehu, the king of Israel, the internal punishment. 
Uh, he, were, he was going to use them to kill those individuals that were still among them that worshiped Baal. And then he, uh, Elisha, the prophet who would succeed him, uh, Elisha's job would be to work in Israel and bring the northern kingdom back to God. And not only that, Jehoshaphat ruled in the southern kingdom and he was devoted to God. God had it all figured out. A, a strategy, a plan. You're running, hiding in a cave. And, and, and God is saying, what are you doing here? How did it come to this? God's anointed and appointed and gifted and called and ordained and sanctified. Come on, somebody. My God. God always has a plan. Always be listening for the voice of God in every situation. All right. So Elijah, we find him now following the plan of God. You're always going to be successful, saints, when we follow the plan of God. First Kings, we're still in 19, 19 to, through 21. So he departed hence and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he with the, the 12th and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him, which is a, a gesture of succession when you cast your mantle on someone. And he left the oxen and ran after uh, Elijah and said, let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. Come on, somebody. And he said unto him, go back again, for what have I done unto you? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled them with flesh and with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people and they did eat. And he arose and went after Elisha and ministered unto him. Now, this is somebody that's taking the call serious. Those others said, you know, well, let me go uh, back and, and bury my, my loved ones and, and let me do this. Jesus said he that put his hands to the gospel plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom of God. But Elisha, he goes back and, and sacrifice his oxen. Now, what farmer that's going to stay in farming sacrifice his oxen and, and feeds the people? Oh, he was saying goodbye. He really was uh, uh, preparing his life for his new calling. Come on, somebody. My God. And then he came after he went back and kissed his mother and his father and fed the people and they had a celebration. He came and joined Eli Elijah and ministered unto him. My God. And we want to talk about that mantle that Elijah put on Elisha. Amen. Uh, that mantle uh, was a coat. It was an important article, the most important article that you could have out 
uh, in the wilderness. All right. It had so many different uses. Uh, it could be used as protection against uh, the weather. Remember when Elijah was hiding in the cave and, and, and God told him to come out? He took the mantle and did what? Covered his face to protect him from the elements. Come on, somebody. It can be used as bedding. You can lay down and cover yourself up uh, with it. Uh, it can be used as a place to sit on or to dine. So it had multiple uses. Uh, you could take items and put it in the mantle, wrap it up and, and, and put a, a ball on the end of it and throw it over your shoulder so it was a piece of luggage. <laughs> the mantle was very in, in important. It could be used as a pledge of debt. All right, I owe you uh, so much money, but I'm going to let you hold my mantle. And if you're holding my mantle, you know I'll be back for it. It was very important. All right. Uh, then it could be used to show grief. My God. Uh, when they would uh, strip themselves in sackcloth and ashes. Come on, somebody. It could be torn in pieces to show grief. So Elijah placed his mantle upon Elisha because he was to uh, succeed him. And it was a, a show of succession. All right. Now, he did not actually receive the mantle until uh, Elijah was transformed. And we find that in 2 Kings, the second chapter, 11 through 14. And we'll read a little bit about that. Uh, but he, what was his plea? Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and I'm going to come back and serve and minister to you, Elijah, because that's my calling. My God. So the killing of his oxen was a strong statement that my, my life as a farmer is over. He couldn't return back to farming after he doesn't got rid of all of his equipment. So this wasn't more uh, just, uh, it was more than just a feast and, and a, a dinner, a farewell dinner. This was a, my life has changed completely. And the Bible says, and when that was over, he went and ministered to Elijah. Now, let me say this. Um... Many people don't know um, your blessing is tied to your ability and your willingness to serve. Ah, my God. And many times individuals, they don't know what their calling is. They don't know what their purpose is. But he said, go into the vineyard and work and whatever's right, I will pay. Come on, somebody. My God. Many people will never find their apex. They will never find their calling. They will never find their niche. They will never find uh, their sweet spot, if you will, in the spirit 
until they allow themselves and humble themselves and serve. This was an elevation for Elisha, but he had to serve Elijah. Mm. Many times individuals, they won't humble themselves and serve. Yes, it's required. It's required and individuals don't know uh, also that your blessing is tied to someone else. Mm. Only one man can wear the, the mantle at one time. We'll read about that. All right, look at 2 Kings, the second chapter. And it came to pass, you all have it, 2 Kings, second chapter, we're going to read 1 through 14. And it came to pass when the Lord would take Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah uh, went with Elisha from Gilgal. All right. And Elijah said unto Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, um, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were in Bethel came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest that thou, Lord, will be taken away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold your peace. Come on, somebody. My God. Uh, this, this has nothing to do with you. <laughs> I, I'm sticking to the plan that God has given me. I'm serving the man that God has given me to serve. Come on, somebody. And the promise had already been given unto him when Elijah put his mantle on Elisha. He already knew he was going to succeed him, but he had to stay close. He had to stay, stay with him. Stick with him. And look at this. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, as the Lord liveth, and as my soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were in Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? He answered, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah came, <clears throat> said unto him, Terry, I pray thee here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as my soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters. And they were divided hither and thither. And so they too went over on dry ground. 
And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away uh, from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. My God, I want to be a man of God anointed and appointed and called just like you. As a matter of fact, I want a double portion of it. And he said, thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I'm taken away from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. So Elisha already knew he had to stick with Elijah through thick and thin. He had to serve. Come on, somebody. He had to fulfill his purpose, his calling, his anointing, that his succession in the ministry might come to pass. And that confirms it when Elijah said, now, if you see me be taken away, what you have asked of me is a hard thing, but it will come to pass. If you stick with me, if you stay in the ministry, stay true to your calling. And if not, it will not come to pass. All right. Look at verse 11. And it came to pass as they still went on and talked that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind unto heaven and Elisha saw it. And he cried, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more and he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in pieces. He don't have need of that no more. Come on, somebody. And he took also the mantle, he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. And he went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Come on, somebody. I've asked for a double portion of his his spirit, his anointing, his gifting, his calling. Come on, somebody. And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. My God, your blessing, your calling, your purpose, your anointing is tied to your ability to serve. My God. And, you know, people don't want to hear this. You know, every uh, great leader at some time or another was a great follower. I've seen individuals, uh, they never followed anybody. They always wanted to be a leader. Listen, only one man can wear the mantle at one time. Everybody else need to line up with the individual that God is using at that particular time in that particular season and 
or when your time comes and people don't understand it, your ministry is tied to someone else. We talked about Joseph, how he uh, worked on Potiphar's dream. He worked on the butler's dream, the baker's dream, worked on Pharaoh's dream before his dream came to pass. Oh, come on, somebody. Dreamers will help other dreamers with their dream. Leaders will help other leaders with their leadership because God is only dealing with one leader, one man, one man can wear the mantle at one time. Your ability to lead is directly tied to your ability to serve someone else that's in the position of leadership. My God, it's the hardest thing to get over to people. Everybody want to run right to the top. And then you start asking people to do things that you wouldn't even do yourself. Now line up. I want y'all, I want y'all to get with the program. Well, you didn't get with nobody else's program. I want y'all to be faithful. Well, you wasn't faithful. It doesn't work like that. My God. We may as well get the truth and nothing but the truth, so help us God. Somebody can be set free. So every great leader at one time or another was a great follower. Uh, I was remembering the testimony of um, uh, Bishop A. Glenn Brady. Uh, he was talking uh, just like the uh, sons of the prophet, they were uh, talking to Elisha. People were telling him he'd never be nobody as long as he carried Bishop Wagner's briefcase around. Uh, he said he carried Bishop Wagner's briefcase for 32 years. 32 years carrying Bishop Wagner's, Norman L. Wagner's uh, briefcase. One of the things he said, well, uh, when Bishop Wagner uh, went to the White House, guess who was carrying his briefcase? <laughs> so he carried his briefcase right into the, took him right into the White House. But now he's a bishop himself in his own right. Every great leader at some point or another was a great follower. Your ability to succeed and go to your apex and have the blessings of God upon your life is directly tied to your willingness to serve. My God. And Elisha ran back after Elijah and ministered to him. Elijah said, you asked a hard thing, but if you see me go up, then that prayer will be answered. But if not, you're not sticking close to the ministry. You're not paying attention. And I slip away from here and you don't see me. 
It's not going to happen. Come on, somebody. What did Elijah say? Well, the Lord sent me to Jericho. I'm going with you. <laughs> he sent me to Jordan. I'm going with you. Because my um, blessing is tied to you, Elijah. People don't understand that. Your blessing is tied to somebody else's ministry. My God. And I feel sorry for those individuals that are in position of leadership and they've never learned how to serve. And they scratch their head and wonder why people won't follow them. Well, a leader with no followers is just a man out for a walk. My God. God, he went out the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour, the 11th hour. Come on, somebody. He said, why are you standing idle here in the marketplace? They said, no man has cared enough to come out and invite us in. He said, go into the vineyard. It's the 11th hour. Go into the vineyard and work, serve my God. And whatsoever is right, I will pay my God. Second Peter, the first chapter, we're going to read a couple verses there. Uh, I, one of the things I talked about was the danger of just being saved. God is, has so much more purpose on our life with just being saved. Uh, you know, um, pray my strength in the Lord. I'm barely making it. Somebody said you're going to do greater works, greater exploits. And greater works shall you do. Anybody looking for the greater works? Or are you just bad? Pray my strength in the Lord. I just made it on today. You know, I give everybody a day, <laughs> you know, to, to be down in the dumps. But you, you don't belong there. You got to come out of that situation. My God, greater is he that is in you than what you're going through. Amen. Saints don't belong in a spirit of depression and oppression. Come on, somebody. My God, you are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You're the lender and not the borrower. You are the righteousness. You are what's right about God. Come on, somebody. And I know we're human. We have bad days and we have things that don't go our way. Some things that throw us for a loop. But you got to get right back to the call of God upon your life. Come on, somebody. Be about the Father's business. Uh, 2 Peter, the first chapter, 1 through 10. Was it Simon Peter, a servant of the Lord and an apostle of Jesus Christ? To them that have obtained like precious faith 
with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God, of our God, and of Jesus our Lord. Look at verse 3. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that have called us to the glory and virtue. That's a mouthful. Let's go back and read it again. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Mm. He has given us all things. Come on, somebody. That pertain unto life and godliness. He has equipped us. Come on, somebody. He has given us authority. He has given us ability to rule. Come on, somebody. To tread upon serpents. To cast out demons. Come on, somebody. My God. To lay hands on the sick. And they what? He has equipped us according to his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him. We get all it. If a man lacketh wisdom, let him ask who? Him that hath called us to all glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding what? Great and precious promises. Wow. Great and precious promises, not given just to anybody, but given unto you, that by these you might be what? Partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, he's given all diligence, add to your faith virtue and virtue knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you, look at this now, verse 8 again, for if these things be in you and abound, they working. You, you, you got, you, you know, sometimes we know to do, but we don't do. You know to do and you are doing. They abound in you. They're working in you. They make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. My God. Let's read on. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and have forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fail. My God. 
in the fullness of time, I will accomplish everything that I have spoken over your life, but we have to be will, uh, willing and yielded vessels. Go into the vineyard and work. You're saved for a purpose. Not just to stick around the church and talk about you just a member. There's a work. There's a calling. There's a purpose. There's an anointing. There's a gifting. There ought to be an urgency in your spirit. Just like fire. Shut up in my bone. Come on, somebody. Who touches fire and don't jump? My God. Something ought to make you jump. You got a calling. The urgency of now. He talks about these things. Diligence. Careful and persistent work or effort. We have to be diligent in our calling. Amen. A persistent work and or effort. He talks about virtue. We talked about a virtuous woman on, on Women's Day, on Mother's Day. A moral excellence, a goodness, a righteousness. Come on, somebody. Uh, one's life and conduct to moral and ethical principles. Uprightness, uh, rectitude. Morally correct behavior or thinking. That's rectitude. Morally correct behavior and or thinking. Come on, somebody. My God. Uh, knowledge, knowing what to do. Knowledge is knowing what to do. Wisdom is knowing how to do it. God will give you those. If a man lack wisdom... Let him ask God. It takes more than just knowledge. Uh, knowledge is knowing what to do. Wisdom is knowing how to do or what to do with the instruction. Acquaintance with facts, truths, principles. Uh, as from study or investigation. My God. Add to your knowledge temperance. What is that? Moderation, self-restraint in action. Come on, somebody. Uh, moderation and indulgence in uh, natural things, passion, especially in the use of alcohol, liquor. Um, uh, when it comes down to your anger, mm, your, um, uh, your necessity to talk. You know, somebody, uh, you know, uh, the Bible tells us study to be quiet. Ah. Quick to listen. <clears throat> Slow to speak. Everybody's got a story. And it's their side of the story. Come on, somebody. My God. It's not always about you. Patience. The quality of being patient. 
uh, bearing provocation, uh, bearing annoyance, bearing misfortune or pain without complaint or loss of temper or being irritated. My God, I might need to publish this document because uh, somebody, well, y'all can go back and play it again. Godliness conforming to the laws and the wishes of God, being devout, being committed. Come on, somebody. Godliness without which no man shall see the Lord. Kindness, a state of quality of being kind, a kind act, favor, a kind behavior, a friendly feeling or liking. And last and certainly not least, charity, a love for God, a love for your fellow man, a love for the work of the God, uh, work of the Lord. Come on, somebody. My God, each and every one of these things. Now, let's just go back. He says, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. My God, going back to verse nine, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, ye shall never fail. Mm. Lord, don't let me fail. I want to be in the brine. Anybody remember that old? Song, when my faith get weak, keep me by thy side. All right, there was a whole lot to that song. Y'all can look it up. This very good, um, as the old folk would say, those lyrics put something, um, some meat on your bones. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. I'm sorry, let me go back and call this scripture reference. Uh, Matthew 9, we want 35 through 38. What would Jesus do? We're all saved for a purpose. Matthew 9, 35 through 38. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, what was he? He was moved with compassion on them. People lack compassion today. Out of um, all the death uh, we have seen, I'm not talking about just individuals in the church, I'm talking about individuals in the community. And certainly, uh, we as saints of God, we've had our share of death. But just think, where would you be if you didn't know the Lord? I mean, you know, facing the death of a loved one. 
Where would you be if you did not have a relationship with God? Yet we see individuals in that same situation, and we're seeing so much death, so much destruction. My God, so much hurt and pain and anguish. And we look upon the people and we have become callous and cold. And sometimes we got nerve to say, well, they ought to, they ought to do this and they ought to do that. But when Jesus looked upon the people, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. My God. And when we have a calling and a purpose upon our life to go out into the hedges, into the highways and compel men to come in, we shouldn't be able to sit back and see all of this going on around us and be satisfied. You have to go out and throw the lifeline out to someone else. My God, he heard you when you cried, when you were out there as a sheep and you didn't have no shepherd. He saved you. Come on, somebody. My God, it was Paul said, I can't pay God back for what he's done for me. He could have killed me on the road to Damascus. So since I can't pay him, it come, becomes payable to everybody I come in contact with. Come on, somebody. To the wise and to the unwise, to the Greeks and to the barbarians, the sophisticated, the unsophisticated, the learned and the unlearned. What I owe him is payable to everybody I come in contact with. He had compassion and was moved with compassion. Because they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he to his disciples, the harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. The laborers. What are we to do? Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his. It's his harvest. It's his church. It's his people. Come on, somebody. My God. It's important that we have laborers. And we're not talking about skilled workers. People say, well, you know, yeah, I'm in the church, but, you know, uh, I'm, I'm skilled in this and I'm, I'm skilled in that and I'm educated in this and, and I don't do. Well, laborers do what's necessary. Laborers do what needs to be done. Come on, somebody. Pray ye, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send laborers into his vineyard. And God said, I saved you for a purpose. Hmm. Think about it. Think about it. And after you've thought about it, get busy. Get busy. The Lord is soon to come. You don't know how much time you have. 
You don't know how much time an individual God has laid upon your heart to witness to. Amen. That gift, that calling, that purpose, that anointing, uh, ministers, evangelists, uh, just witnesses. Come on, somebody. Saints of the Most High God, laborers. Uh, we're all one body for all one common thing, and that's just to do his will. You can't sit back on the sidelines and expect to be rewarded. My God, we all make up the body of Christ. Everybody can't wear the mantle. It's almost maddening how many pastors we have nowadays. How many leaders we have. People want to go out and get a big car and a briefcase and they think that makes them a leader. And they sit in the chief seat. God has to place his anointing upon you. And guess what? It's just like in the army. Uh, when you leave your post, you're AWOL. Absent without leave. You're somewhere working that you don't even have permission to be there. You, you only get credit for where, where you're assigned. This is where you're assigned to work. You don't get credit when you go working uh, in somebody else's field or somebody else's business or somebody else's capacity, somebody else's anointing or somebody else's gifting. My God, you get no credit. You only get credit where God has placed you. And God said, I save you. For a purpose. My God, let us be about the Father's business. May God bless you. May God keep you is our prayer. Uh, somebody may be under the sound of my voice. You haven't been baptized in Jesus' name. You haven't been filled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. By the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And you want to be saved. Call me. Call me. It's urgent. 734-477-6891. 734-477-6891. Call me. We will return your call. We will share with you what God has called and commanded of each and every one of us. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The promise is unto you, it is unto your children, and to them that are far off, and with many other words that he exhort and tell them to save yourself. My God, this is a personal um, call. God is calling you. And he can use you as a catalyst to go and save the rest of your family. But he's calling you. You have to make um, the commitment. You have to answer the call. You have to be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with his spirit by the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And then he said, and you will be my, be my witnesses. My God. You can then be an ambassador for Christ 
and tell others what God has done for you. You don't have to quote a whole lot of scripture, be no big minister, big evangelist, just be a child of God and tell what God has done for you. That's influential enough to save someone else.